Say amen. Wow. What a day. What a day. All this in heaven too. <laughs> I want you to take your copy of God's word and um, same, same spirit in here, Brother Mike. You sense that? Man, sweet, sweet Holy Spirit. Mm. You know, as we were declaring that with Brother Mike, the choir and the team, what we believe, um, there's parts of that declaration. We believe in his holy word. We believe in the resurrection. I want to just remind you, that's not just a theological piece of information. I'm, I'm telling you, everybody in here that suffered any loss, that loss is temporary if the one that left here was in Christ. And listen to me very carefully. You, you will be with them much longer than you will be without them. In fact, when you get together the next time, you will never be without them again. That's why we believe in the resurrection. That cross paid it all, but that empty tomb sealed it all. Had he not risen from the dead, we'd just be forgiven dead people. But I'm telling you on that third day when he got up and walked out of that grave and he's told hell that he had the keys, I'm telling you, that day was a game changer. Now we're forgiven and we're risen. And there's a day coming in the resurrection. I personally believe we are very close to it. It's not a point of fellowship or fighting in this house. But I believe we are imminently close to what's called the rapture of the church. Contrary to uh, some opinion, it is in the Bible. In fact, it's mentioned numerous times. And I believe that very soon, in fact, the stage is being set. Everything that you are watching right now, geopolitically, Everything you're watching happening right now, even in the pestilence called COVID, is a harbinger because very soon there's a great getting up morning coming when the dead in Christ, that's everybody that has passed away from Acts chapter 2 with the coming of the Holy Spirit that comprised the church of Jesus Christ. You and I are very unique. We're, we're, we're not better than, we're just, well, I'll use a Bible word, peculiar. Can I look around the room a minute? We're peculiar. That's what the Bible calls us. And because when the Holy Spirit came in Acts chapter 2, the comforter, the promised one that we're about to read about, he created something that had never existed before called the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones. Do you remember that day when the Spirit of God whispered your name? You remember when somebody presented the gospel and the Holy Ghost of God caused your eyes to come open? And you came to the reality that you're a damn doomed sinner on your way to hell. And by the grace of God, not by tithing, not by teaching, not by attending church, not because you got better, but because of the grace of God, he cleansed us from our sins. And you called upon the name that's above every other name. And in that moment, you went from death to life. And he wrote your name down in the Lamb's book of life. In that moment, you were grafted into the church. You are the church. There's never been anything like you before. In fact, the Bible says, the Bible says that at the birth of the church, Acts chapter 2, we're in a series called The First 100 Days. We're paralleling. We're looking at what was it like in those first days of infancy when the church was just birthed in her rawness and realness. 
What was it like before iPads and iPhones and internets and buildings and budgets and bylaws? What was it to just rely on God? Birth church. The Bible says that there's the fullness of the Gentiles that's coming. Romans chapter 14. That means, that's a big word that simply means this. Somewhere in God's plan and economy, he knows the last soul that's going to come and confess Jesus Christ that will complete the bride. And at that moment, at the completion of the bride, even the son does not know when that's coming. He said, I don't know. Only the father knows. But when the bride is complete, you remember guys, when you got married, you're hanging out in the back of wherever it was, the church, the venue, your hands are sweating, your heart's pounding, and you can't wait to see her. And, 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 you know, she might have just been a minute or two late. The day Christy and I got married, the, the fellow that was going to pick me up and drive me to Hopkinsville to the church to marry Christy, he was going to pick me up. I wanted to go to the church that I was pastoring. I wanted to pray. I really wanted to be God's man for her. And I arranged for, because I knew I was nervous. I'm gonna be, I, I, I don't even know if I've told Christy this in a long time, but I was scared to death she wasn't going to show up. <laughs> I really was. I thought... How in the world was somebody that beautiful and that wonderful? She, she ain't even going to be there. That's just, the, you know, the devil's a liar. Y'all know that? So I'd arrange for a friend of ours to pick me up to a little church I was pastoring where um, Christy chased me down, begged me to marry her. <laughs> I was sitting on the front steps of that little church. I'd spent some time with God. And uh, I was waiting for him to come get me. And he didn't show up. And he didn't show up. And he didn't show up. And I thought, man, what in the world? Boy, here he come in on two wheels. He said, I locked myself out of the house. <laughs> get in, we're going to be late. <laughs> I remember when they opened them doors. I thought, boy, this is the pinnacle of love that can't ever get any better than this. This is it. This is the apex of it. They opened those doors, and her dad and grandfather started walking her down that aisle. I still think she's going to bolt and run any minute. <laughs> Do you know in that moment, I, I thought that's the apex of love. It doesn't get any better than that. You know, a few years later, she didn't have her makeup on, she wasn't in her wedding dress. In fact, she was in agonizing pain giving birth to our little girl. And it was not the most romantic moment we'd ever had. We didn't have any health insurance, Ray Ray. We couldn't afford a Tylenol. In fact, we financed that child till she was 18. <laughs> Hospital called one day and said, you've been making payments for 14 years. You've got to up these payments. I said, repossess her. Come get her. We'll be glad to take her back. <laughs> And in agony, giving birth to our daughter, I thought, this is it. Doesn't get any better than this. And they laid our children in our arms, and we experienced the apex of what we thought was love. About three weeks ago, we went to another level. <laughs> now, don't y'all hate on me. Don't send me any letters. I'm just stating the truth. We... Recently received the most brilliant, beautiful grandchild ever born in the hemisphere of <laughs> Knoxville. If you think any less of yours, you're wrong. 
And I thought when they laid her in my arms, this is it. Doesn't get any better than this. But there's a morning coming. When the trump of God's going to sound. The father's going to turn to the son and say, the prayer meeting's over. No more praying. He that ever liveth to intercede for us will no longer have to pray. And the father's going to say, you remember what was birthed on that first Pentecost morning? Remember how the Holy Spirit came and took a bunch of ragtag old wicked sinners that had been saved by your blood and filled by your spirit and composed this thing called the church? Get up from that prayer meeting, son, and I want you to go get what you bought by your blood, sealed by our spirit. I want you to go get it. Those who are dead in Christ, those who've gone on before us, they're going to get their resurrection bodies. And we're going to meet them in the eastern sky. We'll be caught up to be with Christ forever. I want you to listen very carefully. Listen to me. We're incredibly close to that day. Everything from heaven is shouting. Look up, saints. It's almost home-going time. That's why we believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. That's why we will not move from his word or the promise of his coming. Now, none of this is in my sermon, so I, I won't, I, I'm just going to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Amen? We're just going to follow him this morning. It ain't going to be long till this building's going to be vacant. We won't be here. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm not trying to play on your emotions. I'm telling you based on the word of God, every sign that needs to be fulfilled for the second coming of Christ is already been fulfilled. Every sign, without exception, the timepiece called Israel is done. Now, we're not going in the second coming. We're going in the rapture. I want you to hear me clearly. If you don't know that you know where you're going to go when that morning comes, I'm begging you in Jesus' name, Please get that settled today. Online, in this room, listening on the podcast, I'm begging you in Jesus' name. God's orchestrated this whole day. He hit the interruption button to pause and say, set that sermon aside for a minute to say to somebody in this room, you don't have to be fearful. If the rapture scares you, if the end of the world causes you to have anxiety, you don't know the Christ we know because he'll take all of that away. And I promise you by the authority of God's word, there's not a sin that you've committed that wasn't paid for at Calvary. Not, not a sin. I, I, I don't, it doesn't, listen, the morning that I got saved, the morning I got saved, I didn't, I, I didn't plan on going to church. I, I, I was in a drunken, drug-induced stupor when that man banged on the side of that camper. And I laid in the floor in my own filth and vomit. And I thought, I am not opening that door. And I heard him scream through the old aluminum door of that camper and say, Jeffrey Thomas, you don't open this door. I'm calling the sheriff. I'm going to tell him you broke in my house last night. I laid there for a moment and I thought, where was I last night? Now, I know y'all are holy, never had a night like that. But I medicated myself 
and I drowned in my hurts. And I had to look around that old nasty camper and see if there's anything in there I didn't know about. And I jumped up and I opened that door and I said, that's a lie. I am 99% sure I didn't break in your house last night. And this is what he said to me. He said, well, I know you didn't. But you owe me money. And the only way you're going to pay me is go to church with me. And I can have you arrested. And I'm a believer. I can repent and God forgive me. You are on your way to hell. And if you're not at the Baptist church on Billy Goat Hill, before God, that's what it was. Billy Goat Hill, Springfield, Tennessee. It had a name, but that's what the locals called it. I'm calling a sheriff, and I'm going to tell him to pick you up. Now, he knew me, and I knew him. And he had gone as far as he was going to go with me. I said, well, I'll tell you what. I'll be there. I'm not taking a bath, and I ain't changing my clothes. I had my best Marlboro shirt on. I had my earring in. My hair was down to about my hiney. Some of you wish you could. I said, I'm not going to Sunday school. He said, don't worry about it. There's a place when you pull in, there's a, there'll be some guys standing around back. Just go around and tell them who you are and come on in. Pulled up on the lot, stepped out, walked around back. There's four or five deacons back there smoking. And I thought, I'm going to like this. I like these guys. Chairman of Deacons was smoking a big old cigar. He gave me a light. We smoked for a minute. And uh, he dabbed his cigar out and he said, uh, you, you are here to see so-and-so. I said, I am. He said, I want you to just walk down that door right there. He said, um, we got a special place for guys like you. We know y'all are nervous when you get here. We have a place, you know, where y'all can sit. You won't be nervous. I thought that's pretty cool. Walked down a little old narrow hall of a Baptist church fellowship building. There was a bunch of people standing around. I walked in. And there was a little bitty lady. She, um, she wasn't barely five foot tall. She had the personality of a Hitler. <laughs> but she snapped them fingers, clapped them hands, and everybody got in line. And the guy that invited me, that threatened to throw me in jail, he said, come on, get in line. We, don't, we got a special place for you to sit. So we filed up like ducks. Just walked right out. This was an old-style Baptist church, old shotgun building. We walked, followed that little Nazi Oompa Loompa out the door. She went one way, and we came out the side door of the choir loft. So by the time I realized where I was, there was about five or six big guys here, about five or six big guys there, and they had all plotted. I wasn't going anywhere. And when that preacher started preaching, my first thought was, they've told him everything I've ever done. I didn't feel like anybody else was in the room. And if I could have bolted and ran, I'd have got out of that building until he said something I'd never heard. After he named every possible sin, I was, there was one or two he missed I'd done. I thought, well, I'll wait on them. 
And when he got to the bottom of the list is what he said. And to every one of them, Christ already knew you were going to do when he died for you. And he turned around and to this day, he swears he doesn't remember this. He turned around, he looked straight at me and he said, yes, even for you. And in that moment, I heard something I'd never heard. Not that I wasn't good enough. Not that I was stupid or born a bastard. Not that nobody wanted me. For the first time in my life, I heard the Holy Spirit say, I'll take you just like you are. I'll take you just like you are. Just come on. With liquor on my breath, dope in my pocket, and wickedness in my heart. I met Jesus Christ. I couldn't explain all that had happened. I couldn't hardly read the Bible I got saved under. I preached a sermon not about a year and a half after that on the ministry of Jesus at Capernaum. It's in the Bible. It's funnier if you know that. It's called Capernaum. I preached a glorious sermon on the ministry of Jesus at Capernaum. I was the pastor of this little church and it was growing. I didn't really preach. I'd just stand up and scream, you're going to hell, you're going to hell. I was everything. I, I, I printed the, I, I was everything. I was the secretary, the janitor, I was everything. Back in that day, you had, you had, to, you had to do your own bulletin. Now, some Baptists will remember this. Lifeway would send us a bulletin cover. We all had the same cover in the Baptist church. That's how you knew if you was in a real church. <laughs> and on the inside, it was blank. And, and I had a typewriter, and part of my job was to type the bulletin. Now, this is an integral part of, of being saved. Because <laughs> if you missed anything in the bulletin, let me give you an example. If Aunt Sookie stopped on the way to church at the graveyard to get some flowers to put on the altar for Uncle Herschel's whatever, and you didn't put that in the bulletin, there would be a business meeting. Because in the bulletin, it had to say the altar, the flowers on the altar are in memory from Aunt Sookie of Uncle Herschel. If you didn't put who brought the deviled eggs, you're in trouble. So you had to get all this in the bulletin. And then after you printed all this, you had all this ink on you. Then you had to stand up and read it to them. So one day we couldn't get everything in and somebody said to me, now remind you now, I'm, I'm, I'm barely a GED graduate, functionally illiterate. And somebody says, Jeff, you, you got to get everything in the bulletin. You ought to abbreviate. I wasn't real sure what that meant. I said, well, what exactly would you mean when you say abbreviate? You know, like shorten a word. I said, oh, okay, we can shorten words. Yes, because you've got to get it all in the bulletin. So that next week, we had an associational meeting. <laughs> oh, it took some of you. You're getting it. Children, you can ask your parents later. By the way, my defense was it's in the Bible. When you abbreviate association... <laughs> So when long after that, the lady walked up to me and she said, um, I perceive of the Lord 
you have a hard time reading. <laughs> Come to my house. And she set me down in front of a television and she said, I'm going to teach you how to, I'm going to teach you how to read. I'm going to teach you conjunctions. And she put a videotape in and it was, it was a stellar educational movie called Schoolhouse Rock. Conjunction, junction. What's your function? Now we went to law school before we went to grammar school. I am a bill. On Capitol Hill. Oh, we're going to go old school up in this today. <laughs> and, but, for, nor, and, yet. Conjunction is not the end of the road. It's a bend in the road. That while we were yet sinners, yet Christ died for us. Whoever you are, Whatever you've done, I'm telling you it's paid for at Calvary. God took a high school dropout, addicted to anything he could get his hands on, filled him full of new wine, let him marry the love of his life, and pastored a beautiful people called Fairview. Can you imagine what God's got for you? Can you imagine what's waiting just on the other side of whispering his name. He's interrupted this whole service. He stopped the whole day to say to somebody or somebody's, this is your day. I made February the 21st with you in mind. Come to the cross. Come by the tomb. It's all paid for. And it's just about home going time. Let's pray together. Father, <laughs> oh, these are some of the most gloriously unusual days. And I thank you for taking us back to those moments when you whispered our name. Thank you, God, for those who hunted us down with a holy boldness and said, Jesus loves you, doesn't matter how messed up you are. Thank you for a church, God, that's for the up and out, the down and out, and everybody in between. Thank you for the groaning of the Holy Spirit that's beckoning us and calling us and wooing us in this room and through the miracle of the lens of that camera. Father, we pray for those who are wounded who are scared. There are those right now that in their heart, their, their fear is that if, if they take this step of faith and they confess you as their Lord and Savior, that when that harassing addiction comes whispering their name, they won't know what to do. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that the Holy Spirit of God will be more powerful in their heart and mind than the lying, seducing spirit of that addiction. Because that voice of addiction is a lie. It will not solve the problems. It's not going to make the misery go away. Jesus, just be Jesus in this room. We are desperate for you in these last days.
And we thank you for divine interruptions. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Nobody's moving, looking. I promise you, nobody's going to embarrass you. I promise you. In just a moment, Brother Mike and Josh are going to begin to minister. You don't have to come down front, beloved. That's not, that's not a necessity to be saved. But you do have to confess, believing in your heart. That simply means this, that at the very core of who you are, you believe Jesus is bigger than your biggest problem. To believe in thine heart, that means that you confess that God's bigger than your biggest fear. Well, now, Jeff, I've, I've walked an aisle and prayed a prayer. I've been baptized a hundred times. I, I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about the blood of the lamb. I'm talking about faith. That the Holy Spirit of God is speaking to you right now. I, I'm begging you in Jesus' name. Would you yield to him? You could say something just this simple. Put it in your own words. Thank you, Father, for interrupting this whole service to invade my lostness. I confess you're bigger than my biggest sin. God, you're bigger than my biggest problem because your son paid it all. I confess you as my Lord and I receive you as my Savior. Thank you for loving me. Now I want you to pray this very specifically. The devil, in the name of Jesus, you have no authority. You've had your last day because I belong to the Lamb now. And I'm done with you because Jesus has saved me. If this morning you made that confession online or in this room, there are going to be some ministers down front. If you're up in the balcony, you don't want to come down here. There'll be some ministers over there. There's a big sign that says safe place. There'll be some ministers standing over there just ready to receive you and to talk with you. I remember the morning that I sealed it in the blood. I didn't even own a Bible. I didn't know where to start or where to go. And my biggest fear was what was in my back pocket and in the refrigerator of that old nasty trailer. Was it going to grip me again? I'm telling you, there's new wine. And there's a faith family here that will help you take that first step. You can't do this by yourself. <laughs> can't do it by yourself. But if you'll take that first step, I'm telling you, there's a whole house called the Faith Family Fairview. We'd come alongside of you, help you walk through this because God's bigger than the biggest problem you face today. Father, do what only you can in Jesus' name. Would you rise in authority? I need some ministers at, first, at the safe place, please. I need some pastors in the altar. Brother Mike's leading. Spirit's calling. Online, you need to let us know what God's doing. If you got saved this morning, you need to let the guys know so that we can declare that in the house of the Lord. You come as God's calling. Preacher, I'm thinking about joining. I want to make covenant membership. This is the time. This is the time. This is the time. 
I got a burden. I'm broken. I'm hurt. I'm wounded. This is the time. God can settle all of that. 